Let us join together in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 13. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather up stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All the children in the sanctuary to come join me up at the front. Um, you're going to have to come around and enter by the side because our rail is closed for communion. And if you're joining us on live stream, I invite you to move a little closer to your screen. All right. Good, good morning, friends. Hi. Happy New Year. So I want to talk a little bit about time today. Can any of you tell time yet? Can any of you read a clock? Do you know how to do that yet? No. No, not yet? That's okay. You know what? You'll learn eventually. So did you know that there's more than one way to tell time? You can use like a watch or a clock or a cell phone. You got a watch, yeah. Um, but we also tell what time it is based on the, based on the seasons, right? What, what are some of the seasons we've got? What season are we in right now? New Year's, December. Well, we're in January now because it's New Year's. If I showed you one of these, what what are these? What's this? Snowflake. Snowflake. When, when do we see snowflakes most often? Winter. In winter, yeah. So we see snowflakes in winter, and we've also and then comes spring, and then summer, and then fall. How do we know that it's winter? We see snow. And then winter again. Yeah, you got it. So in winter we see it gets cold, right? It gets really cold outside really cold. It was really cold last, about a week ago. Yeah. Way below freezing. And then we have, yeah. 
and we saw snow. And then what do we see in the fall? Do the leaves do something special in the fall? They turn different colors and then they fall off the trees. What about in the springtime? What do we see in the springtime? Everything turns green and then there's lots of little flowers everywhere. And then what happens in the summertime? Especially here. Is it really, really hot? Yeah, yeah really, really hot? Yeah. It's pretty cool that God shows us something different in each new season. God shows us a part of who God is and what our world is like. God gives us snowflakes and new flowers and rainstorms and lightning bugs and leaves that change color. And these are all reminders of and these are all reminders of God and who God is. And so we can remember that God is with us in all of these different seasons, no matter what it looks like outside. And God is with us all the time, everywhere we go. And that's really good news, isn't it? That God is with us. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we know that you are always with us, no matter what season or time of our life. In your Bible, you promise never to leave us alone. Thank you for your promises and your reminders that you are always with us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, thanks for joining me, friends. You can head back to your seats because there's no children's church today. So everybody go back and hang out with your parents. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may the words that I speak and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. In your name, amen. There is a time for everything, the author of Ecclesiastes asserts, for life, for death, for planting, for harvesting, for tears, for laughter, for mourning, for dancing, for seeking, for losing, for keeping, and for letting go, for silence, for speaking up, for hate, for love. God has made everything, God is in everything, and God is with us in all seasons. All of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly are all a part of life. There is a Buddhist saying that goes, life is made up of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, and how true that is. Our culture likes to focus on the happy bits, though. It, it is good and right to celebrate our joys, and to practice gratitude can make us more grateful and more likely to notice the small, everyday joys, whether it's a snowflake, time with family, a funny video, an impromptu dance party with friends, the taste of a fresh loaf of homemade bread, a sunset, or sunrise if you get up early, but I don't, so sunsets for me. The way it feels to snuggle babies and pets. But if there is a time for everything, then we can't pretend that life is shiny and rosy and Instagram-worthy all the time, because life is also hard. Stuff breaks, like frozen pipes, or car tires, or our favorite toys. We make mistakes that hurt people, 
and other people sometimes hurt us too. We live in a world with systems that are oppressive and prevent the full flourishing of all people. We find our work stressful at times or we even lose our jobs. Our bodies are fragile. We get injured, we get sick, we age, and we all eventually die. And we all lose someone we love and we grieve. Life is joy and sorrow. Kate Bowler, an author, professor, speaker, and podcast host, knows this to be true. At 35, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. She was a young mother at the time. And she's written two books about her journey and now leads a community of people who wrestle with this reality that everything happens. She writes, I can't reconcile the way the world is jolted by events that are wonderful and terrible, the gorgeous and the tragic, except that I am beginning to believe that these opposites do not cancel each other out. I see a middle-aged woman waiting in the waiting room of the cancer clinic, her arms wrapped around the frail frame of her son. She squeezes him tightly, oblivious to the way he looks down at her sheepishly. He laughs after a minute, a hostage to her impervious love. Joy persists somehow, and I soak it in. The horror of cancer has made everything like it is painted in bright colors. I think the same thing over and over again. Life is so beautiful. Life is so hard. There is a time for everything in life, the beautiful and the hard. The new year is a time when many people like to look back over the last year, reflect on the joys and sorrows of the year, and maybe look forward to the next one. And as we turn the page from 2022 to 2023, a lot of folks will choose this season to make resolutions, set goals and intentions, or choose a theme word for the year. There is something about a new year that makes us want to reflect, to be aspirational. But if that's not you, that's okay too. We can all enter 2023 in whatever way feels right for us. These last couple of years have been hard for many people, and so we can dive in to 2023 or take it slow. And we can honor ourselves either way. Personally, I'm taking the slow entry this year. I'm pondering what's next, but trying not to force myself to make a list or have all the answers yet. And as we think about 2023, we know that West End is entering its 150th year. And this is a special occasion in the life of our church. So we're taking this opportunity to reflect on questions like, who are we? Where have we been? Where are we going? What mistakes has our congregation made? But what have we done well? How can we step forward in faith and hope and love? So come to the kickoff next Sunday, McWhorter Hall, during the Sunday school hour so you can learn more. The new year is also a time when I am starting confirmation with our sixth graders. And if you've never been a part of the confirmation class or seen one, it's a really special and joyous occasion. 
We have a time where we're helping the kids learn about their own faith and discernment and ask questions and sit with them, sometimes really hard questions. And they get to choose faith, even when, maybe especially when, they don't have all the answers or know the future. But we can ask these questions, we can wrestle with them together in community. We can talk to God, we can choose to follow Jesus every day. We get to try and take the next right step, and then the next one, and then the one after that. We may not get it right every time, but we can do our best and trust that that is enough. I struggle with this sometimes. I want to do the right thing, but when I'm not sure what that is, or I can't see how a choice will play out, or when I have too many choices, or I can't see the whole, whole path in front of me, I get stuck. I'm working on this, how to get unstuck, how to take the next step. And I remind myself I don't have to see the whole path, that God is with me, and let whatever I can do be enough. Jan Richardson wrote a beautiful poem that gives me comfort in these moments when I'm feeling stuck, and maybe it will you too. She writes, if you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it, might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. Call it one of the mercies of the road, that we see it only by stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping, step by single step. There is nothing for it but to go, and by our going, take the vows the pilgrim takes, to be faithful to the next step, to rely on more than the map, to heed the signposts of intuition and dream, and to follow the star that only you will recognize, to keep an eye open for the wonders that attend the path, to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, beyond what would tempt you from the way. There are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path, and the new ones you will need to make when the road is revealed by turns you could not have foreseen. Keep them, break them, make them again. Each promise becomes part of the path. Each choice creates the road that will take you to the place where at last you will kneel to offer the gift most needed, the gift only you can give before turning to go home by another way. The verses from Ecclesiastes are a poem too. A comforting reminder of the cyclical nature of things, the author uses the power of opposites to make a point that everything happens. Everything has a time and a place, and the binaries encompassing the whole spectrum rather than the individual points named. And yet, if you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, the author isn't really sure of anything. He calls everything vanity or fleeting or pointless or vapor, depending on how you translate the Hebrew word havel that is used in the text over and over. So the text holds these two things in contrast. The certainty of everything having a time and a place alongside the belief that everything is vanity or fleeting. And that feels pretty appropriate to me right now. 
There is so much uncertain in our world, so much yet unwritten. There are questions about our country and what we will look like going forward. Who do we want to be? Will we confront past and present oppressions to create a more just and equitable future for all people? Will we engage with the rest of the world on these things? We've also got questions about our church, right? Who is the larger UMC going to be? What churches might leave? What churches might stay or join? What do we need to do to be more just and inclusive as a whole church? What parts of our faith are essential to being Christian and Methodist? What policies and practices do we need to adapt to meet the changing needs of our communities and our world? So it feels to me like we're in a season of transition. There is this push and pull between the institutions that have long held power and influence and a recognition that that power has frequently been used to oppress people. Between the reality of how the world works and a vision for what it could be, we are living in the already but not yet kingdom of God. And yet daily life goes on. School, work, activities, dishes, laundry, all the things. The seasons come and go. The pages on a calendar turn to a new year. Everything happens. So what do we do with all of this? I don't know. I wish I could offer a vision or a 10-step plan for the new year, but that would be vanity, probably. Plans so often fall apart. And that is so hard for me to say, because I love a good plan. I love to know what's coming, but I don't. I don't know what 2023 will bring, what joys there are in store for, for you, for me, for us, what sorrows we will face. What I do know is that I want to start this year by turning towards Jesus. I want to choose Jesus today because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Because Jesus was born a human being whose life contained joys and sorrows just like ours. Because in Jesus, we see a way of being in the world that is just and loving. Therefore, I want to put my hope in his grace and his love as I journey through this hard and beautiful life. And so I'm going to invite you to join me in that. The Wesley Covenant prayer that we're going to use for our affirmation of faith is one that has been used by many generations of Methodists to make covenant with God and affirm their willingness to follow Jesus. So let's start 2023, West End's 150th year, by renewing our covenant and choosing a life of discipleship today. Hear these words of invitation. From time to time, we renew our covenant with God, especially when we reaffirm the baptismal covenant or gather at the Lord's table. Today, we meet as generations before us have met to renew the covenant that binds us to God. Let us make this covenant of God our own Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. There is much to be done in the name of Christ. Some tasks are easy and some are hard. 
All are worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Therefore, let us go to Christ together and pray, saying, I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And let the covenant I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.